This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.49 Monday, the 6th of March, and you're listening to The Morning Run. We now turn our eyes to the political developments that happened over the past week. And against the odds, Prime Minister Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim and his unity government have weathered 100 days in office to mix results. Anwar has managed to marry parties that were once on opposing sides, namely PH and BN, and bringing about a degree of stability in Malaysian politics. However, with so many political stakeholders to please, there are questions over whether he can push forward the reform agenda that he champions. Meanwhile, the stability of the government is tied to the fortunes of AMNO, which holds its party elections this month. The Registrar of Societies has given the all-clear for the top two polls to remain uncontested despite protests from some members of the party. The race for AMNO vice president is also heating up with as many as seven candidates vying for just three posts in the top echelon of the Supreme Council. Finally, the father-son duo behind Perjuang have split up. Tun Dr Mahathir has joined the ultra-nationalist party Putra, while Datuk Sri Mukris Mahathir is bidding for Perjuang to join Perikatan National. So how will all these developments affect the balance of power in Malaysian politics? Joining us for analysis is Dr. Azmin Hassan, Research Fellow at the Nusantara Academy of Strategic Research. Good morning, Dr. Azmin. Always good to speak to you. Now, what's your assessment of Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim's first 100 days in office? On the balance of things, has he had more hits than misses or vice versa? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, he has more hits compared to misses because, as you mentioned uh, before this, uh, the coalition consisted of uh, different ideology, extreme difference of ideology, uh, especially within AMNO and DAP. But the internal problem, as we have seen up until now, is at very minimum. So Dr. Sranoa has the time and has the influence to concentrate on the matters that really great, greatly affected us. So I'm quite happy uh, with the first 100 days. And Dr. Azmi, in your view, what has he managed to do successfully then? Uh, well, uh, as I mentioned before, to create the stability uh, within the government. Uh, when the stability within the government, as we have, men- as we have seen for the past uh, different government, the instability uh, will create a turmoil where the government cannot concentrate on the core job of to administer the country. So I think that the most that I'm happy about, that the, not only Dr. Sianua, but all the ministers uh, have the time uh, to concentrate on their responsibility. I think that's the most important thing that I've seen uh, developing in the unity government. But on the flip side, what do you think has has been the biggest miss? opportunities or blunders of his administration then? Uh, well, the biggest blunders, I, I don't see a, a very huge blunder uh, that you know, uh, occurred during the first 100 days. Mm. But the opportunity uh, created by Datuk Seranoa is that uh, he doesn't tolerate any corruption. And he has shown that. Not only he talked about it, I think he did demonstrate that he will not tolerate any corruption, whether in the uh, public sector, whether in the government itself, all the all the politicians, all the general population. I think that the greatest opportunity that Datuk Sriyanwa captured, uh, that makes us, the citizen, well, we have the confidence of this particular government. And Dr. Azmi, what do you see then as the biggest challenge for Anwar Ibrahim to maintain the stability of his unity government? Uh, yeah, the biggest challenge I think will be AMNO. 
which Datuk Sri Anwar has no control of it. Uh, it all depends on the stability of the government, the stability of AMNO itself. And as we have known, AMNO uh, is going on is through internal elections, so it's going to be quite interesting. As you mentioned before this, it is a very crowded race, whether it's a vice president, supreme council, right until it wings uh, position, it is very, very crowded. So I think the biggest challenge is uh, the support from AMNO, the status quo. I think the mm -hmm. important thing is how to keep the status quo in AMNO. And as we have known, in the candidate they have uh, offered themselves, there are several groups that we can define. So this is very, very critical for uh, Datuk Suranwa because it depends on the stability of the unity government. Okay, let's talk about AMNO then. Like you said, it's a crowded race, right? So there's only three VP posts in the AMNO Supreme Council. There's seven candidates now that have put up their hand uh, to say that they want to be VP. And of course, with two top posts in AMNO contested, do you, who do you think will trump? Because you say there are many camps within AMNO. Can you help us explain who are in which camp? Uh, well, uh, for the vice president, there are basically two distinct candidates which belong to either the camps that are pro the current president and the camp that are want to change the status quo. And basically, there's another camp, especially in the Supreme Council, uh, a camp that are not aligned to either of the groups. Uh, so in the vice president, it is very instinct, distinct. I mean, uh, that the seven candidates belong to either of these camps. So it's up to the members of AMNO to choose whether they want to remain in status quo mm -hmm. or they want to change the status quo, uh, especially in the Supreme Council, because the Supreme Council uh, is a decision-making body. So whether the president is ahead or the Supreme Council is controlled by a group that anti-Zahid, let me say that, mm. then it's going to be very, very interesting in AMNO. Okay, so we've got some big wigs, right? We've got Titi Wangsa MP, Johari Ghani, we've got Foreign Minister Zamri, we've got Law and Institutional Reform Minister Azalina Othman Said in the mix, and even Pahang Menteri Besar. You know, these are the big names. But who do you think is going to actually, you know, win or have at least the best chances of winning? Because there's only three seats. <laughs> yeah, I think the best chance would be, uh, as you mentioned, uh, MP from Titiwangsa, Dr. Johari Ghani. And also, I have uh, confidence in that uh, YB Pengerang, uh, Dr. Azalina. And another one, I think, uh, should be the incumbent, I guess, uh, Khalid Nordin. So I think these three is the best bet that will get the most votes from the members of AMNO. And Dr. Azmi, former Prime Minister Dato Sri Najib Razak was acquitted in the 1MDB audit tampering case. How is this being received within AMNO circles? Does this complicate relations between PH and AMNO? Uh, well, I think it's not complicate uh, the, the relationship. I think it will make easier the relationship. And as we have seen, uh, the current government or Dato Sri Anwar uh, never interfered, whether implicit or explicit, in the current uh, court case. So I guess when AMNO is happy in this case, they said uh, more uh, good things will come for Datuk Sri Najib. I think uh, it will ease a little bit of the Datuk Sri Najib uh, factor in this case. So I would say that the, the, court, the court decision is basically making the relationship between not only Datuk Sri Anwar and AMNO, but also between AMNO and DAP 
or Pakatan Harapan and AMNO in this case. Okay, let's take a look at Pajuang because now it's led by Datuk Mukris Mahate. Now he's applied or they have applied to join Perikatan National. Uh, so there's a bit of a split from his father, the original founder of Tun, Dr. Mahate Muhammad, who is now with Putra. What do you make of this? Yeah, I'm also puzzled with, uh, not puzzled with Mukri's decision to join Perikatan National. I think that's a correct decision. Mm. But Dr. Mahathir's decision to join Putra, because his reasoning was uh, to, because he's not satisfied the current status of Malay politics and economy. That's the reason why he joined Putra. But the problem is that Putra has no base, has no influence, uh, even among the Malay's voters. But Perikatan National, as we have seen, they are, I would say, the organization, the political party that can protect the Malays' uh, interest in this case. So Mokri's decision is very logical, but Mahathir's decision is very, very, I would say, very odd. There are, there are more to it. Why he decided to join Putra and not Perikatan National. So why do you think he did it? And, and also, what kind of legacy will he then leave behind by all these... Uh, you know, political, or at least changes in his political alignments? Well, I think uh, we know Dr. Mahadeh is Dr. Mahadeh uh, <laughs> because he wants to do his own way. And we have seen during the 22 years of his premiership, he wants to do his way. So by joining Putra, which is very, I would say, very small party, he can have his own way, how to fight the way that he wants. But if he joined Prikata National, there are a lot of big weeks in Prikata National. So it's going to be very, very difficult for him. I think that's the main reason why he chose Putra and not Prikata National. And regarding legacy, yeah. I think it's still, it's still uh, we have to wait and see what he can do uh, with Putra uh, in this case. All right. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Uh, Azmi Hassan, Research Fellow at the Nusantara Academy of Strategic Research. Yeah, looks like for now, political survival will be a key theme for Malaysia's unity government. What more with the upcoming state elections? I think it's something that the market and political analysts will be watching very closely, in particular the three PH states of Selangor, Penang and Negeri. And any loss or in seats will probably be a, a big blow to investor confidence as well as it will curb the cooperation among the political allies. Yeah, for sure. So these are the things we'll be paying attention to, including the VP race, which Dr. Azmi says likely, you know, the, the front runners look like uh, Titi Wangsa MP Johari, Pengeran MP Azalina and the incumbent Khalid Nordin. Uh, but up next, of course, we've got the breakfast grill after the 8am news bulletin where Chong Jansen speaks to Gun Ko Yin. He's the CEO of TT Vision Holdings Berhad Kipitia, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.